y'all gonna come on in. Hello. We're trying to start. <laughs> I'm just joking, y'all. <laughs> so good walking in. Hey y'all, good morning, good morning, good morning. So my name is Dolores, in case anybody doesn't know, I don't know if we have any new faces in the room, but I did want to introduce myself. But so this morning I'll be doing the announcements, and so... Um, welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace, to embrace and extend Jesus' love. And if you are a guest today, welcome. There are guest information cards located just outside the sanctuary doors in the North Ex. Please fill one out and drop it in the basket. We look forward to connecting with you. And if you, up oh, reminder, the nursery is open today. So feel free to take your babies to the nursery. Tiffany is doing an awesome job with the nursery, so definitely consider that. Um, and so at the Village Church, we believe that giving of tithes and offering is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and mission of the church by using a link on our webpage. Um, and so we also have a mailing address as well that you can mail your um, tithes and offerings to as well. And um, Or after the service, dropping, dropping your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary is also an option. So you have so many options to give. So, yeah, feel free to give. Um, so today, immediately following the worship service, village kids and youth meet in the annex with adults. While adults will continue to meet in the sanctuary for the sermon follow-up discussion, and next Sunday, March the 6th, Reverend Shipman will begin a new sermon series. This is Easter. Um, and Wednesday of next week, March 9th, corporate prayer time at the church and via Zoom will be, wait, it will be at church and via Zoom. I'm, I'm sorry. Information and the Zoom link will go out in the block notes the day before. And so thanks again. And y'all, this is my first time, so yeah. You're welcome. Visitors. Good morning. Thank you, Dolores. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it's nice when you have fresh voices doing things, so um, you did wonderfully, and thank you for being willing to do that. You're good. <laughs> you see, it's, good. it's hard to set up here, so you're good. Um, good morning, everyone in the room. Good morning to all of our friends and family who are watching this um, via Facebook and YouTube at this moment or later in the week. 
Welcome, welcome, as Dolores has already said. Let's just take a few moments now to prepare our hearts and minds for worship. these words from Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love.
worship this morning is from the song of doxology. Please join with me. We're in Oaks Congregation. Please, uh, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.
all about him. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Oh, y'all sound so beautiful. If I could still a moment. I wanted to take this time to just to thank those who prayed for me, those who sent cards uh, during my illness. For those who don't know, I blew out both of my knees, yes, at the same time. Um, I'm honored to be a part of this church. I'm honored to know you. There's a saying, only surround yourself around people that smile when they see you coming. And when you see them coming as well, I would like to thank Alex and his lovely wife for the prayers. I want to thank my good friend, Mary Lou and Larry for the cards. They meant the world to me. Thank you very much. I really meant it. So one of them I didn't even open, but it's just a thought that came out of most of my anyway. I'd like to thank your husband, Master Lee, for coming by and sitting with me. I appreciate it. I would like to thank uh, Josh my good friend from Trading Places. Uh, it's a joy to worship with you. It's an honor. Thank you very much. I'd like to thank the Lindenbaums, uh, Matthew and Mary for the card. Uh, it fed us for a while. So thank you so much. Thank you for Lou, who's sitting in the back. I'd like to thank Soltaire, who came by and sat with me in my moment of depression. Uh, but I some special people I'd like to think that's in the room. I thank my wife for being so tolerable. I am difficult. I am I'm a I'm problematic. I know it. And um, God has given me a special person to run this race with. I'd like to thank my kids for every glass of water, for lifting up my legs when I was in that lounge chair, for not being patient with me, for washing my feet. And they literally did it because I couldn't get down there. Thank you for the heart and God's heart and that compassion when I wasn't at my best. So I wanted to say thank you to my church family and that I was thinking about this past week about a gift and how God has called us to be a gift because he was a gift. You know, most most animals, most people produce more of their own kind. I think as a church, we should learn how to be the gift, continue to be the gift to one another, seek to serve, seek to love, look beyond yourself. Look beyond the edge of our noses because it's not all about us. It's all about him. It's all about what he wants from us. So thank you and thank you again. Now we got to get back to God's business. We're going to do the confession of faith, which is going to come from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I'm going to read the question, and then I'm going to point, and you're going to read me the answer. How about that? All right, let's do it. What special act of providence did God exercise towards man in the state in which he was created? Very good job. Somebody politely move my Bible because we got to go into the next section where I'm going to read the scripture for today from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Thank you, God. Okay, guys. 
God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophet in many portions and in many ways, in these last days he's, he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heirs of all things through him, all he, ma- all he made, made the world. And, and he, in, in the radiance of his, of, of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power, when, when he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father, majesty on high, having become much better than the angels, as he inherited a more excellent name than they. For which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son. Today I have begotten you, and again I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he, be, and when he began brings first fruit, and when he again brings the first firstborn into the world, he says, and let, the, and let the angels of God worship him. And the angels of, uh, and of the angels, he says, who makes his angels wings? And he's, and he's a ministering of a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the all of gladness above your companions. And you, O Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will they will flourish, I'm sorry, perish, but you remain, and they all will become old like a garment, and like a mantle you will roll them up. Like a garment they will also be changed. But you are the same. And your years will not come to the end. Amen. May God bless his word. Please stand with me.
morning, saints. Please let us go to the Lord now in a prayer of supplication. Father, you are the Holy One, and we praise you for that. We come now with the expectation, Lord, that you are going to hear our prayers as we come to bring prayers of supplications before you. And so we want to pray, Lord, for our church, our community. I pray that you will um, give the staff wisdom as we lead and do the things that you've called us to do. I pray for the elders and the deacons and deacon assistants that you will give us uh, the wisdom that we need to communicate well to the congregation and to lead well and to also uh, be aware of, of our blind spots. I pray, Lord, for our men leaders and the, uh, the ladies that lead our uh, women's ministry for wisdom and guidance, Lord, as they help shepherd. I pray for Lyle and Mary as they lead our children and our youth, that you give them great wisdom as they love on our kids, Lord. I pray for Tiffany and the nursery team as they love on our babies in the nursery, Father, that you give them patience and wisdom as they love on our kids in the nursery, Lord. So, Lord, we bring these to you, Lord, knowing, Father, that you are hearing us, that we can, I love the fact that we can bring to you all our concerns, all of them, and that you gladly receive them because you are our Father. That nothing, Lord, is, is silly. We can bring all of our needs before you. And we come as your beloved, as sons and daughters, praying that you are heal broken relationships. Praying, I also pray for uh, the Goodsons as they travel to Birmingham to bury Richard's mom, that you will comfort that whole family, Lord, in a time of need. pray for Russ and Olivia, Lord, as they welcome home their, their son, Owen. I pray continued strength over his development. You keep him safe, Lord. You give wisdom to these new parents and young parents. I pray for the leaves as they are uh, looking forward to the birth of their daughter, Lord. I pray for Dolores that you continue to keep the baby healthy. And then when she goes in for delivery, that everything will go well, Father. Everything will go well. So I pray for those of us who are dealing with sick parents and aging parents, you give us wisdom on how to love them well. Help us to respect their boundaries and also to help us know we can't make decisions for other adults. Lord, you know the needs of a congregation, staffing needs, leadership needs. You know all these things. Budget needs. We pray that you provide and you have always provided for us and you will continue to do so. Pray for those in our congregation who may be dealing with mental health issues, Lord. That I pray that they will go to counseling. If they need to be on antidepressants, that they will get on them. They don't have to suffer alone. I pray that they will reach out for help. I pray for our brothers and sisters who are in Ukraine and even our brothers and sisters who are in Russia. That, Lord, you will give wisdom to these pastors and to these Christians. That you will comfort them, Father. And I do pray for these nations, Russia, America, Ukraine, and even NATO, Lord, that you will give these leaders wisdom on how to bring this to crisis to an end. So we pray into the sufferings of the world, 
knowing that you are sovereign even over this. And we pray, Lord, that you will move. There's so much evil, so much danger, so much happening all around the world, even here in the United States, Lord. People are suffering. And I pray, Father, that your church, the people who are called by your name, that we would be the hands and feet feet of Jesus. That we would be the hands and feet of those who are hurting, those who are suffering. That we get off Facebook, we get off social media, and we get into the streets and be the church. We're the only ones in all the world who can be the hands and feet of Christ. It is the redeemed. So give us the boldness and the courage and the humility to get out of our comforts, to get out of our own world and to enter into the world of someone else so that we can be salt and light. And that's one of my prayers for our congregation. We've been dealing with a lot of stuff over the years, and we have become too internally focused. Lord, help us to get outside these walls and to get into this community and to the communities in where we live with the gospel, Lord, sharing the good news, taking Christ to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to the places in which we do life. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do that. And I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. If you have your uh, Bibles, please turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We are going to be looking at verses 3 through 11 today. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 through 11. Now here is God's word to his beloved. Consider him, that is Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against him, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? For if you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, We have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? But they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is God's holy word. Amen. Amen. 
The late Robin Williams once said before he passed, he said, it is a wonderful feeling when your father becomes not a God, but a man. When he comes down from the mountain and you see this man with weaknesses and you love him as his whole being, not as a figurehead. I believe it is a wonderful feeling for, for kids who get to do life with their earthly father as a man, not as a God. A man who, who doesn't pretend to, to be high above them, but a man who has his own broken places and weaknesses. I believe it, it is healthy for, uh, for children to get to love their father as a whole human being, not as a figurehead. And you see, I believe all kids desire a father that they can know emotionally and who they can know relationally. Not a father who is so high up on a mountain that they can't reach him, touch him, or even connect with him. Praise God that he comes down the mountain. Praise him. Praise him that he comes down literally from heaven in the incarnation of Christ to reach us, to touch us, to connect with us. Think about that. And then he makes a way so that you can know him emotionally and relationally. Praise him, saints. He does all of that through Jesus Christ. Through his incarnate son. And being able to know God emotionally and relationally is a father's blessing that you can enjoy right now. At this moment. In this season of your life. However, I must also tell you that there is one more father's blessing that's really that's going to be really, really hard. For you to enjoy as his sons and daughters. Because this blessing doesn't always feel good. And it's found in the text I just read. I call it the blessing of discipline. The blessing of discipline. And my one big idea today is that God disciplines all of his sons and daughters because he loves each of them. That's an amen statement. God disciplines you because he loves you. Now, please pray with and for me. Father and Holy Spirit, as I come to, as we come to this part of service where the word would be preached, uh, I need you, Holy Spirit, to, to move in my heart and my mind. Take my words and, and let these be words that honor Christ. Let these words uh, be used to edify the saints here in this sanctuary, and maybe those who are tuning in online. In my prayer each week, and, we're all, and this prayer will always be prayed by me, Holy Spirit, is that you have to take everything that is done here on Sunday mornings, and, and you have to use it to change lives. You have to do that. Worship becomes supernatural because you are involved in it. Or otherwise, we're just up here having a concert and a talk. So, Holy Spirit, you see us clearly. 
You see what we're dealing with. You know what's going on in our minds and our hearts. You see the fatigue. You see the disappointment. You see the frustrations. You see the doubts. You see the insecurities. You see the the things that we're frustrated about when it comes to this church. I pray that you would minister to them. Minister to all of us. We are beloved sons and daughters of Yahweh Elohim. And that means something. So we bring all of our doubts, all of our concerns, all of our broken places to you, Holy Spirit. And we're saying, here, take it. Minister to us. I pray that you would do that for God's glory and for our good. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. As a kid, I often fail to my parents' discipline. I often was subject to it, like many of you were as you were growing up. And as a kid, I didn't like their discipline. And from my perspective, I never really deserved it either. I've never, I was always innocent. And I remember this one time. I had my mother chasing me around my bed with a belt in her hand because of something I did. And I was trying to escape, and, and I, was talk, I was trying to negotiate and, and talk my way out of it. I, I made promises. I said, Mama, I'll never do it again. I, I promise I'll never do it again. But in the end, Emma Jean Sutton won. She caught me, and I unwilling, unwillingly and tearfully accepted my mother's discipline. And I think the same is true for us when it comes to God's discipline in our life. We, if we're honest, we don't like it. And we definitely don't think we really deserve it. And we even try to escape from it. But in the end, God always wins. We cannot run him. He catches up with us eventually. And he disciplines us in fatherly love. It's always fatherly love. And it's a discipline that is a blessing. But do y'all really believe that? In your heart of hearts, do you really believe God's discipline is a father's blessing in your life? Some of you may be asking yourself these questions. Why does God discipline us? I mean, what, what could possibly be the reason behind his discipline? Great questions in light of what the Bible teaches us about those who have saving faith in Jesus. It teaches us that that those people are set free from the power of sin. They are no longer enslaved to sin because of Jesus' finished work on the cross. And that Jesus grants, you know, these folks free pardon and forgiveness for for real sins, past, present, and future. And as the words of one hymn says, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. This is true for all of us who have saving faith in Christ today. Well, pastor, if what you say is true, then why why does God discipline you then? If if all what you just said is true, why does he discipline you? He disciplines you because you still struggle with sin, even though you've been set free from it. Look at verse 14. The author here is saying, in your struggle against sin... Is it verse 14? No, it's verse 4. I'm sorry. Not 14. Verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point 
of shedding your blood. You have not resisted to that point. Jesus is the one who shed blood for your sins. You didn't shed blood for your sins. And in your continued struggle with sin, you are not going to be shedding your blood. But you will experience God's discipline. I'm not going to get no amen statements today from y'all, am I? (laughs) Are any of you without sin this morning? You can't participate in these questions. No. Do believers live sinless lives? Do celebrity Christians live sinless lives? Do pastors live sinless lives? Do your Christian heroes live sinless lives? No. All Christians struggle with sin. Sins of commission, which are uh, sinful acts that are proactively, proactively done. Then there are sins of omission, sins of which we fail to do what is right. We all struggle with that. You sin against other people, and other people sin against you. That's, that's normal. And to be painfully honest, some of you will and some of you have sinned in horrible ways. And I hope you realize that all the evil that has taken place and will take place in this world will not be committed by non-Christians. And if you think that, then it's something about your theology that's not right. Christians commit adultery. Saved by faith, but some have and some will. Christians commit Sexual and physical abuse. Christians are prideful. Christians commit acts of injustice. They do. Christians lie, cheat, and steal. Christians commit murder. Christians watch the things on the computer they shouldn't watch. Christians gossip and slander. Christians even have racist and prejudiced views in their hearts. If you think there are certain sins you are above committing, then you trust yourself way too much. If you think there are certain sins that you are above committing, then you trust yourself way too much. Don't be deceived by your own goodness and and righteousness morality. Those things are sinking sand. They are. One of my favorite theologians who also had sin in his life, wrote, for nobody should take the attitude that they are not capable of the worst. If anybody take the attitude that they are not capable of the worst, it's an attitude of the deepest deception. For we do not know the power in our being until we are put to it. If you never committed the worst, it is because you have never been put to it in the mercy of God. But it is all there. The the Lord puts his finger upon it in principle when he says, he who hates his brother is a murderer. It is the same spirit. You only have to extend that, provoke that anger enough, put that nature in a certain circumstances, and you will discover you are capable of things of which you stood in utmost horror at one time. He's right. You only got to be put in a certain situation. 
That's why you should never say, I never do that. You don't know that. Remember what I said about believers last week. We live in the already and not yet. And in the already and not yet, we only get a taste of, of what's to come. The, the full meal is still to come. And so in light of that, if you have saving faith in Jesus Christ, you will have what I call a Roman 7 experience when it comes to sin all the days of your life. Well, Pastor, what is a Roman 7 experience? Paul tells us in Romans 7. The apostle says, I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I don't, if I do what I don't want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that still dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil that I don't want, I keep on doing. And if I do what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but again, but a sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. That's the Roman Sarah's experience. And that's going to be your experience. My experience. When we want to do right, evil lies close at hand. So saints and beloved of God, the, the, the Romans 7 experience means that when you want to do right, evil lies close at hand. That This means that you will struggle with sin even though your sins are no longer held against you. This means you will face consequences for your sins even though all your sins have been pardoned in Christ. This means you will be corrected for sin even though sin is no longer your master. It means you will be disciplined for sin even though all your sins are forgiven in Christ. Do you believe it? Well, you don't really have to believe it, but it's still true. But you have much more joy in your life if you do. And already not yet, you're going to have a Roman saving experience with, with sin. And I don't care how many Bible studies you go to, how many verses you memorize, or how many Christian books you read, you are going to always deal with Roman seven experiences. That's it. You're never going to be what you're going to be on this side of glory. It's the already not yet. It's the tension that we navigate in this life as Christians. In his book, Holiness by Grace, Dr. Brian Chappell tells a story about a young man who had a moral failure on a recent business trip. So this young man called up his pastor one night to request a meeting the next morning. Both of them agreed to to meet for breakfast at a nearby restaurant. And the next day, this young man unloads on his pastor about what happened on that recent business trip. Something bad happened. He had a moral failure. He committed adultery. He cheated on his wife. Chapel writes, "The, the young man stayed up too late at the hotel bar with a woman colleague. The alcohol and distance from home and And the easy laughter they shared led to the obvious. They ended up in bed together. The young man asked his pastor, now what? Now what, pastor? 
he wants the pastor to give some type of counsel. He, the, the young man messed up big time, and so now he's at his, he's at his pastor. He's like, what now? Chapel writes to help the young man think biblically about what he must do. The minister asked him a series of questions. First question said, asked, had he prayed and asked God for forgiveness and pardon? Second, had, had he confessed his sin to the young woman and, and involved and told her that that intimacy would never happen again? Had he confessed his wrong to his wife and asked her for forgiveness? Had he at least arranged to have an AIDS or STD test? For until he had been tested, he could not approach the marriage bed without endangering his wife and the child she was bearing. Chopper goes on to ask that the young man listen to each question without expression. When the pastor finished, the, the young man pushed his breakfast plate away from him, leaned back in his chair, and he said to the pastor, I came for grace, not discipline. You disappoint me, pastor. You say you believe in grace, but you judge people according to their works, like the rest of the world. Who's in the right there? The good reverend or the young man? Or any of you in the same space with this young man this morning? Or any of you in the space where you think grace means freedom from consequences in this? And accountability. Grace doesn't mean you have the freedom to live any way you want to. We call that licentiousness. Grace doesn't mean you are free from reproof and correction and discipline. Please understand, God's discipline is grace. It is grace. It is grace. Look at verses 5. And six. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons and daughters? My daughter and son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when he re- when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son and daughter he receives. Do y'all see it? Discipline is not judgment. It's not hate. It's not wrath. It's not child abuse. His discipline is him loving you. It's a father's blessing. Chastisement from God is a normal experience for all of his kids. When you surrender your life to Jesus, God, that's when God receives you as a son and daughter. He receives you through adoption. And adoption means you have all the full rights and privileges of the children of God. And all those privileges include discipline. It's part of it. This is not the golden corral where you go and pick what's blessings from God you want. It's all of the above. And please accept this. Now, you don't have to like it, but you will have to make peace with it. Look at verse 7a. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons and daughters. He's treating you as sons and daughters. The message Bible says, God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment. It's training the normal experience of children. Think about those last words. Discipline is the normal experience of children. 
kids and teens. Is proper discipline part of your normal experience right now within your home? Adults, was proper discipline part of your normal experience growing up as a kid? I hope so. Look at the, the question the author asks in 7b. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? For what daughter is there whom her father does not discipline? Parents and grandparents or legal guardians, they are responsible to properly discipline their kids. It's part of their role. Proverbs 13, 24 says, whoever spares the rod hates his son. You see, to be without proper discipline, that is abnormal. To be without healthy discipline is to be unloved. But do you believe that? Look at verse 8. If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children, not sons, not daughters. Let those words right here. If you are left without discipline, you are illegitimate children, not sons and daughters. And do you know what that means? He's saying that if parents don't properly discipline their kids, they've been irresponsible parents. Parents who don't lovely discipline their kids are treating, treating their kids as if they're not their kids. Those are powerful words, not my words. I'm just a messenger. So if your blood pressure going up, then maybe you need to do business with Jesus later. I'm just a messenger. If discipline is a normal experience for the church, all kids, then why would we as Christians expect to receive no discipline from God? Why would we even expect that? Why would we expect that? It's his fatherly responsibility to correct and to train and to discipline us. He would be irresponsible if he didn't. It would mean he, it would mean he would not even be loving us if he didn't. It would be abnormal if he didn't. So praise God that he loves us enough not to leave us to ourselves. Praise him for that. Praise him for treating you as sons and daughters. So that's what he's doing. Kids and teens, listen up. I have a few questions for you. What kind of parents or parent do you want? Do you want to push over parents or parents who let you break the rules and do whatever you want to do without consequences? Do you want an overbearing parent or parents who wants complete control over your life and have no freedom? Or do you want dismissive parents or parents who, who are uninvolved in your life and even indifferent towards you? They don't really care what you do. Or do you want an authoritative parent or parents who set clear rules and expectations for you while practicing flexibility and understanding. What kind do you want? I don't recommend a pushover. Sounds nice, but you won't respect them. Overbearing, dismissive, no, I recommend authoritative. Why? Because it's a healthy parenting style. It sets proper limits and restrictions and boundaries around you. It gives you age-appropriate responsibilities and freedoms. It lets you deal with the natural consequences of your choices while having you reflect upon them and learn from them. It, it, it ministers proper discipline when you need it. And listen, you ain't always going to like it, and that's okay. And you ain't always going to like your parents. And guess what? They don't always like you either. Okay? I hope you know that. They don't always like you either. 
Whenever my mom and dad told me no, I didn't like it. I didn't like their restrictions. I didn't like their rules. I didn't like the fact that I was the only kid with a curfew. I didn't like it. It felt like they were holding me back. I felt like they always would say no. And I didn't always like my parents at those times, but I always respected them. You see? I didn't challenge their authority. Look at verse 9. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who discipline us, and we respected them. You were not always like your parents because of the discipline and rules and boundaries, but in the end, you will respect them. It's all about respect. And I think the same is true with God. His discipline in our lives does produce in us more respect for him as our father, that he holds me accountable. That he administers discipline. He lets me deal with the consequences of my choices. Because he's a good father, and that's what a good father does. Look at verse 9 again. Besides this, when we had earthly fathers who disciplined us, we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father's spirit and live? The answer is yes. Subject yourself to the, the discipline of God. Don't regard lightly his discipline in your life. Don't nor be weary when he reproves you. Remember, he's treating you like sons and daughters. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. And there's a purpose behind his discipline. Do you know what it is? Look at verse 10 and 11. For they, that is, your earthly fathers, discipline us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That's what he's doing. It's part of your sanctification. He disciplines you for your good, that you may share in his holiness. And here's the thing. Discipline, it ain't pain-free. It hurts. So you will lament, you will cry, you will grieve, you will experience some loss. But remember, discipline is not punishment. It's not a curse. It's correction. It's training. It's reproving. It's him guiding you. It's him trying to produce in you the peaceful fruits of righteousness in your life through the Spirit. He wants to transform you more and more into the image of his son. And that's what he uses discipline to do. That we may share in his holiness. More God, more Christ-like character in your life and in your lifestyle. That's what hardships do. He uses those things to transform us. And please know, even in the hardness, he's good. He's Emmanuel. He's with you. But please know, being a Christian does not mean freedom from consequences and freedom from discipline. When you struggle and when you fall short when it comes to sin. God will fall, he will lovingly walk with you. How does a refiner make gold pure? Did you know? Do you know the process? How does a refiner purify gold? You see, a lot of a lot of gold 
No, when it's not, when it's non-pure, it has other metals and impurities mixed in with it. This means gold must go through a refining process to make it pure. The metal has to be heated to an extremely high temperature, something like 2,000 degrees. And the heat melts all the different metals, and they separate, and the pure gold is left behind. Something precious is left behind from the refining process. And this is what God is doing through the blessing of discipline. He's refining us like gold is refined. And sometimes it's hot in here. But what's left is something beautiful. Zechariah 13, 9 says, I will put the third of the people in the fire and refine them as one refines gold and silver and test them as gold is tested. Beloved, you got to make peace with the Lord's discipline in your life. You are gold that is being purified through his fatherly discipline. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for these blessings, seen and unseen. And definitely this one, Lord, because this one not always, it don't feel like a blessing because it hurts. But according to your word, you are treating us as sons and daughters. And we shouldn't regard lightly your discipline in our, in, your, in, in our life. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will help us to make peace with it. Help us to embrace it. Help us to accept it. Help us to let God love us this way through his discipline in our life. I, again, I pray that you will go with us this week. You know the things that we're facing, the frustrations, the, the schedules, and, and everything that's on our plate that we have to deal with. Help us to remember we're not dealing with those things alone. You're with us. Lead in the guide. And I pray for all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand, saints, as we close our service.
guests joining us today. Thank you so much for um, blessing us with uh, your presence. Hopefully uh, you felt welcome um, in our body today. Also, after the service, uh, the kids and youth will be meeting in the annex, and the adults will be here in the sanctuary to have a discussion about the sermon. And what else, what else? Yeah, I'll be traveling to Atlanta this week, so please pray for my safe travels. I have denominational work there in Atlanta. Now receive the God's uh, benediction to his beloved people. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all and all God's people said. Amen. Please greet one another, saints. We'll meet back here in the sanctuary in a few minutes.